like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prudes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for another BDSM United podcast. Vetting a new partner is something that we've largely lost as a society, not just within the BDSM community. We see all the time a person ends a relationship one week and by the next week they're deeply in love or they're submitted to or dominating someone new. So what is vetting and why is it so important? Well, let's start with the definition that we shared in a previous podcast. It is to vet is to verify, to check for accuracy, authenticity, and validity. In the vetting process, you do a lot more than just a quick rundown to see if your kinks match. You make sure you can trust this person with your life. So many times, vetting is overlooked as an unnecessary step, but in our opinion, it's the most important step in a relationship. It's okay to agree to be exclusive or even agree to be in a relationship of sorts, but not a power exchange relationship dynamic without first vetting. You need to enter a dynamic, You need, and, and to do so, you need to know each other inside and out. You need to know everything you can about each other. In a previous podcast, we talked about vetting on the out of the bedroom, the more relationship, the more vanilla, the more um, the non-kinky parts. Here are some kink questions to ask with vetting. Do they want a polyamorous open relationship or are they strictly monogamous? If they do want polyamory, have they d- have them describe what they think it means to them? Have they been specific about how many people will be involved? Will it be both of you being polyamorous or just one of you? And if they want an open relationship, have them describe what that means to them. Will it be both of you or just one? Will they want to share you with others for fun or for punishment? Will they want to swing? Uh, And do they have a history of practicing ethical non-monogamy, if non-monogamy is even a part of this relationship? Ask if they're single, and if not, is their partner aware that they're seeking another person? Can you meet their partner? If not, tread very carefully. If their partner isn't aware, you'd be putting yourself in a lot of danger. People will do a lot of dangerous, terrible things in order when they think that their relationship is in danger. And um, no one wants a jealous partner showing up with on their doorstep with a gun. Jealousy can lead to murder 
We see it in the movies all the time. Just remember that. Not only that, but if they will cheat on their current partner with you, they probably won't have any qualms about cheating on you. If you're wanting to get involved in the local community, be aware that cheating is generally frowned upon. People take this offense very seriously. Not only will your new partner be looked at with caution, but they'll, but oftentimes their reputation will stain your reputation as well as one who's willing to come between another couple. What is their relationship history? Ask them to describe their last three relationships. What was good about them? What was bad about them? And what led to the demise of the relationship? Are they willing to allow you to talk to any of these people? And if not, why? If you hear the word restraining order in the conversation, that could probably be a bad idea. If they don't have contact info for previous partners, it's okay, but ask if they have other references that can vouch for them. Preferably people in good standing. Preferably people in the local BDSM community. Lone Rangers do exist, but it you're kind of opening yourself up to what could be a mixed bag. Somebody who knows some things about BDSM, but could have a lack of experience because they are trying to do things that um, take more than one person to do, and they're trying to do them just with themselves. And so when they're trying to add you into the equation, you're a lot of times an experiment for a Lone Ranger. How much experience do they have? I wouldn't say to run just because they don't have experience, but you definitely want to know the answer to this question. The amount of experience they have will not determine whether they're worthy of your time and devotion, unless this is really important to you. And it's okay that a level of experience be important to you. Because if they're new, are they willing to put in the effort to research, to take classes, to get involved with reputable online communities and learn from the local community that exists in your area? If they say they're experienced, you can judge if they are overstating their experience by their answers to questions about things like SSC, RAC, um, techniques, safety, protocol. Yeah, you can ask a lot of different questions about things that are not found in beginning BDSM books. And you can see if they know the answers and if the, uh, if the if they say they know how to do certain kinks and they, you ask them to describe the process and it just doesn't seem right, they could be overstating their experience. Oftentimes, being at a munch, uh, we, the other people involved at the munch will be bullshit inspectors for a potential new couple. When someone says they are into rope and we have an experienced rope, uh, bottom, or rigor in uh, our local community, when that person starts speaking about rope, you can they can find out real quick what level of experience this potential people person has. Oftentimes, the person who says they have experience with rope 
uh, is meaning to tell you that they have a interest in rope. Oftentimes, they may have played with rope a few times, but they may not be super experienced. They're just hoping to experience rope more with you. Are they active in the local community? If so, which groups do they attend? Are they willing to let you contact the group admins to check references? We're not talking about group admins of Facebook groups, for instance, or FetLife groups. We're talking about in real life, actual uh, local BDSM community groups. And how long have they been attending events and what types of events do they attend? Have they ever been removed from an event or asked not to come back? If so, what were the circumstances behind it? And which group was it? Maybe contact that group to check their story. Depending on the offense and their truthfulness, you may need to either proceed with caution, look for clarity, maybe even walk away. You may also want to contact other groups in the area just to see if they've been banned for unethical or dangerous behavior and they aren't telling you about it. If you discover it's true, you got to seek clarity, but you really got to be cautious. They nest, they may not be able to be trusted with your life. And if they aren't active in the local community, are they willing to attend events with you? If not, why? I mean, if they have an anxiety order that limits their social abilities, you may want to work with them on it. But if it appears they're just too jealous to allow you to socialize or they're unwilling to admit that they can learn from others, you need to see this as a red flag. It's definitely more serious than what you may initially think. If they're new and unsure of testing the waters, take it slow. Maybe offer to attend a group month with them instead of taking them to a full-on dungeon event. You, you really want to see how they interact with others in the community if you can. You may also want to ask around at events what others think about your new partner before finding yourself alone with them for scenes. What is their STI status? Do they have bloodborne pathogens? Will they agree to testing before becoming sexually active? It should go without saying that you really need to know the answers to these questions. Your health and your life in general are on the line all the time with BDSM. And if they refuse testing for whatever reason, you definitely want to be cautious. This isn't necessarily a risk that you may be willing to take. There are, uh, you know, not knowing what their status is. There are too many clinics that offer testing for free or really cheap to put yourself at risk for things without being aware. Don't just trust them to tell you the results to prove what their status is. Ask if you can see it on paper. And if they can't provide paper, then possibly they haven't done it don't leave this up to chance don't trust somebody just on their word it's just not a good idea because there are things that can be passed on to you 
that if you have other medical conditions like a compromised immune system already, then uh, catching something or having something passed to you could be life-threatening to you. So it, you make up your mind what risk, what level of risk and, and what the person has uh, on their medical record to determine what is appropriate for you. We're not trying to stigmatize anybody that, you know, if they have an SDI that you shouldn't be in a relationship with them. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that you should be able to make a calculated assessment of the risks involved with this person. And they should be upfront and honest and be able to show you and tell you and be comfortable telling you um, what it is that you're getting uh, involved in. It could be part of their medical history already if they're on um, if they're on things like um, or you you may want to know if they're on things like prep or uh, just you know what things they're taking and what barriers that uh, will be needed if you, they have something that that you don't uh, want to get yourself. So do they want a 24-7 dynamic or just in-the-bedroom-only kind of kink? Don't compromise on this. You'll only set yourself up for failure if you go in knowing that they don't want what you want. What you want to do in the end. If you're looking for a 24-7 dynamic and they just want to be kinky in the bedroom, it's... You're probably not going to change them. At least it's going to be a long road until that happens. And then vice versa. If they want more of a 24-7 dynamic and you just want to be more kinky in a bedroom, they may be more open with their kinkiness than what you're comfortable with. And uh, so discuss yours and their desired kinks as well. Discuss how much experience each of you have with each of them. Discuss safety or what um, kind of protocols you're comfortable with. Ask them specific questions such as where to strike, where to avoid. Uh, if they enjoy edge play, discuss what steps should be taken in the event of an emergency. Each of you should probably fill out a kink checklist and bring it with you to your first meeting. Your first in real life meeting. Don't don't go over it at dinner. I mean, put it aside and go over it later. Then later you can discuss further kinks if needed. Find out which ones each of you can't live without and which ones you can be happy never being able to be done to yourself or them. Discuss options for meeting each other's needs, even if certain kinks aren't necessarily your cup of tea. You may be able to compromise. You may be able to allow each other to have non-sexual scenes with others at local events. Um, if someone is into needles or, or cutting or something like that, there's oftentimes uh, uh, people who are tops to those kinds of kinks at dungeons, play parties, and the scenes that they have are not sexual at all. And no one is looking to be in a relationship with your 
with your partner. They just will provide that kink at that event in a safe way so that your your partner can bottom to those kinks, just those kinks, and find fulfillment in them. Discuss hard and soft limits. Discuss what options are available for pushing your limits, if any. Discuss how to address the issue of your limits ever-changing. We all learn and we all grow with time. Don't ever allow anyone to push past your limit when you're not ready. You should always be in full control over your own limits. If someone tells you that you're not allowed to have limits, but that you should work towards not having limits, there are some relationship dynamics that are like that, but that doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen fast. So if someone's telling you that, you definitely need to proceed with caution. Same goes for if someone tells you that they don't have any limits. Offer to cut off one of their fingers or toes. You'll quickly see that they probably have limits that they just haven't considered. And uh, saying that you don't have limits is often a mark of inexperience. As well, some submissives think that this makes them more desirable. It will, but to a predator. And a dom should not accept uh, submission from somebody without limits either. Like I said, there are some relationship dynamics that are like that, but they don't happen instantly or over time. They happen over time. They don't happen fast. Um, This puts you at risk for needing a criminal law attorney. Just trust us. Even dominance have limits. You can discuss things like safe words. It can be anything you like, but it's best to keep it simple. Um, as a, a sub, make sure you feel your partner out enough that you can be confident that they'll honor your safe word if you use it. As a dominant, make sure the submissive partner knows their safe word and that it is um, encouraged to be used if necessary and that they shouldn't be afraid to use it. Ask what they expect from a dominant or from a submissive. Ask them to define what your identity in their life will be and ask them to define what their identity is in your life. What kind of protocol will be expected in private? What kind of protocol will be expected in public? And what what protocol will be expected at lifestyle or social events? And you need to discuss these topics, things like eye contact, positions, dress, collars, what titles each person is interested in, how to address others, and anything else that will be expected. While a lot of dynamics like to use titles like mommy or daddy, some people find it triggering, and so you just can't jump into anything. These are things that you need to vet for. Ask if they are a sadist or a masochist. Ask what type of what type of pain or level of pain they're comfortable giving or receiving. Discuss barriers and things like birth control. Even if you have breeding as a fetish, 
perhaps you don't want to bring children into the world until you're both ready and have established a healthy and lasting relationship. Um, be kinky, but do it smart, and don't make children suffer for your kinks. How much physical attention do each of you want or need? How much is too much? And how much alone time do you need to recharge? Do either of you have work, school, or children's schedules that may interfere with the type of attention that you want or need? Where can you compromise? And what lines are drawn hard in the sand? How do they deal with rejection? Do Due to illness, or you being physically or emotionally unable to perform sexually at any given time? And how much control will the dominant have? How will they control uh, one's body, daily activities, chores, work, school, um, parenting, diet, health concerns, hobbies? There's a lot of different areas where a dominant can have control. And so it's definitely needs to be discussed. And what is expected if, if you are a dominant entering into a relationship with a submissive, what does that submissive expect you to control? Will there be rules in the dynamic? If so, will punishments be involved or rewards? What types of punishments are expected for breaking rules? What, what do people have in mind? You may not have it all figured out but you need to know how a person would punish if if they needed to and what types of transgressions do people see as relationship or dynamic ending transgressions will both of you be expected to work will one of you stay home if one stays home how long until that's expected to happen you know um, our advice is to live together at least a year, maybe even more, before becoming completely financially dependent on a partner. That gives you time to see them in various situations. You'll see the good, the bad, the ugly. You'll see where they spend, where they overspend. Uh, if you, where they try to save, that's also, a, you know, if they're trying to save or they're trying to save too much, you may not get everything that you want or desire. Also, if you need to get out quickly, you want to have the means to do so. Sometimes people that are predators will um, allow you to get through a lot of steps before the red flags just are overwhelming and you need to get away. Don't be blinded by new love and allow yourself to be at the complete mercy of another before they are they have proven that they're not abusive or they're not hiding behind the mask of BDSM, but they're a predator. There are a few milestones that you may want to discuss up front as well. You don't want to come off as being pushy or trying to rush things. You just want to make it clear that you want to know what they have in mind for how fast or how slow things will go. Make it clear you understand this will not be written in stone and that each step will take a certain amount of time. Um, if they don't 
even want to discuss the possibility of milestones, you may want to be very cautious. They may not be serious about a relationship moving forward, but rather getting their kink on with you and nothing more. If you've been dating for a few months and they still don't want to discuss milestones, don't waste your time. They see you as a play partner, possibly nothing more. The first thing you want to discuss is how long this period of bedding should last. Like we said uh, before, at least 90 days. That gives you both time to see each other in a variety of different situations. More than likely, you'll see each other at your best and on days that just aren't so great. You'll see how each other responds to stress, to anger, to excitement. And it also gives you plenty of time to explore things like kinks and limits, verify experience, check for holes or inconsistencies in their stories. Um, you want to make it clear that during the vetting period, a submissive should not offer their submission and a dominant should not accept submission. It's perfectly okay to test the waters with basic training, like basic protocol or research, to have scenes that have been fully negotiated or tasks of service to do. It's okay for the submissive to address the dominant with an honorific or for the dominant to address the submissive with a, with a pet name. It's also okay to agree to be exclusive during this time and to expect fidelity from a partner during this vetting process. It's even okay to set up rules and tasks, but don't expect or agree to, like, full submission. But both should keep in mind the dominant does not own the submissive, and both can walk away at any time. Think of it as dating before marriage, even though it's not exactly the same thing. You wouldn't want to marry someone you've talked to on the internet for two weeks, you know, unless you're a very impulsive, spontaneous person. And this whole episode on vetting probably isn't for you. You're probably going to do a lot of really dangerous shit, and it's just who you are, and... We're just offering up words of caution, but you're going to do what you're going to do if that's your personality. Uh, offering up submission, taking dominance, it's a deep commitment on both sides that shouldn't be taken lightly. And dominants have to be weary of subs offering to submit too quickly. Subs need to be weary of dominance demanding submission too quickly or even expecting it honestly nobody should be demanding anything to begin with they do it's a red flag it could be an overbearing abuser it's going to make you look like that at least on either side you can be an abuser and be submissive just like you can be an abuser and be dominant i know a lot of people don't realize that but there are a lot of shady submissives out there, people that are wanting to carefully craft a relationship that is totally surrounded on their needs and wants and desires without very much consideration for the dominant partner. So that's abusive. Discuss how long it'll be before 
the sub can expect a collar, if at all, and what collaring means to each of you. There may be different degrees of collars. Some dominants use different um, collars for training and consideration and things like that. Will the sub need to reach certain goals to transition from a collar to another one? Um, uh, under what circumstances is collaring, will collaring be a part, if at all, in your relationship? Um, discuss how long you'll date before even considering moving in together or, or entering into an actual dominant and submissive relationship dynamic and possibly coming up with a contract for that. Give yourself time to see red flags before putting yourself in a situation that can be difficult to get out of, both physically by like moving in or emotionally by putting a contract on something that is put together kind of shabbily. Our suggestion is a minimum of like six months to a year. I know that seems like a long time, but BDSM and relationships can be risky, and we'd like to take things uh, more thoroughly in this lifestyle than oftentimes our vanilla counterparts. You want to give them time that the warm fuzzies of the honeymoon period, this new relationship energy has worn a little bit. Not completely worn off, but they feel comfortable enough to let you see enough of their true self that you can make a very informed decision. Is marriage an option? If so, how long until that's considered? Um, So there's a lot of different things uh, involved in vetting. Something we don't, uh, that is optional in the vetting process is things like a background check. Not just in your state or country, but um, all countries and states have some form of checking the background of somebody. You may want to check the national a a sex offender registry. You may want to pay a close a close attention to things on someone's record like violent offenses or sexual offenses. If you see a protective order against somebody or charges for domestic violence, you want a whole lot of clarity. You want to proceed with a lot of caution. You don't want to be someone's punching bag. You don't want to worry about getting an explanation they you really need to get one because they may have been falsely accused but you you're taking a big chance that they were in fact guilty and just know how to sweetly convince you otherwise so if you go down the road of checking backgrounds and and uh you you Definitely want to proceed cautiously with what you find. Um, people do change. They can change. 
but it's not easy to change. And some people will say they've changed, but when they get in a situation, if if they feel uh, if if they feel like they are put back in a similar situation, they may react in a similar way. So it's definitely something to really consider for yourself. I am Primal P. Thank you for joining me for this BDSM United podcast, uh, where we talked about vetting and um, a lot more. This is pretty ex- exhaustive of a podcast running a lot more minutes than a lot of our podcasts do, but we think it's a very important topic. We really wanted to dedicate two podcasts to it, so if you haven't heard the first one of these, you definitely want to go back and check that out, too. Uh, may include a lot of questions and things that you may not have considered in your vetting process. It's never too late to go back to asking questions. And um, even if you're in an established relationship, oftentimes what people don't see is that, um, at least on the kinky side of things, even people in established relationships need to vet for compatibility before taking a vanilla relationship and turning it into a relationship dynamic, a BDSM relationship power exchange type of dynamic. You may not be compatible If you're compatible in a vanilla sense, you may not be compatible in a BDSM sense. Or it may take a lot of work. It may take more work than what you or your partner is willing to do. And so that relationship may not be able to withstand or stand a BDSM relationship. We've seen it all the time. And so... Uh, I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for this BDSM United podcast. You can find all of our resources at www.bdsmunited.com. It was a joy bringing this very important topic to you, and we'll talk with you again soon.